fourth chapter of Ilkhot Abodat Yom Kippurim, in which Harambam is going to summarize the entirety of the day of Yom Kippur and what happens at each juncture. This is much more similar to what we are used to reading Sedra Aboda in Mustafa of Yom Kippurim, and it's a very nice summary. It, it's really very vivid, and it makes you feel as though you were in Bet HaMikdash, uh, knowing exactly the schedule of Kohen Gadol. It, it has in the in the Vilna printed editions, it has only two halachot, but they are quite long, obviously. Um, in, uh, in the manuscripts, this was divided into many more paragraphs than two, but I'm going to still follow the Aleph and Bet of the Vilna edition, and I'm going to also follow the number of the paragraph provided by the Makbili edition, just in case somebody is following inside, it might make it more manageable to know where we are. Halacha Aleph, paragraph 1. Seder kol ha-maasim shabayom ze kachu bahasot ha-layla mefisinit matateshen umsaddirin et ha-maarakha umdashanin et ha-mizbayah kederech shosim bechol yom ala seder shabayarnu ad shiyagiyu lishhatat ha-tamid. You'll notice that the day begins here in hasot ha-layla at midnight. It doesn't begin with with the night. There wasn't really anything done in Bet HaMikdash at night which is the context that you have to have if you ever study the sugya about whether Arbit is Choba or, 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 or just uh, Minhag or just uh, um, or if it's not Keva um, because if the Tefilot are modeled after the Korbanot, after the offerings, there was really nothing going on in Bet HaMikdash at night other than just the burning of the leftovers of the Korbanot, Hector, Chalavim, Ve'evarim. So Yom Kippurim as well, it begins at midnight. In midnight, the first thing that's done is there is a pais, there is a raffle among the Kohanim to who is going to do Terumat Hadeshen, who is going to clean up the Mizbeach, recycle the, the coals and the, the leftovers of the burnt Korbanot. And, and also they organize, they prepare the Mizbeach for its function, they set up the, the wood, the logs, um, just like it's done every single day, until, and this, this takes a few hours, until it's time for Shehitat Tamid, for the, the, the slaughtering of Korban Tamid of the morning, which is done um, upon dawn. Paragraph 2 of Al-Khalif, When they are about to proceed to, with the Tamid, they make some kind of makeshift curtain, curtain made of um, some, uh, some sheet of linen, that's called Sadin Shilbus, and they extend it, they, they set it, they extend it between the Kohen Gadol and the people to give them some privacy. And why, why did they use this white linen? So that people realize that uh, when the Kohen Gadol wears those, those garments, he's doing things that are germane to the day of Yom Kippurim. And then um, he, he gets, uh, he, he takes off his, his whole clothing, he, he uh, submerges in Tevila, that's why he needs the privacy. Then he wears the Kohen Gadol garments, but the daily ones. He washes his hands and feet. He, he does uh, the Korban Tamid. He, start, he starts the Shahita at least. He doesn't finish it. Somebody else, he just 
starts the shahita, does the bare minimum that makes the animal already halachically shahut, but then somebody else is going to take over. But at that moment, the Kohen Gadol is the one who himself takes the blood from the Korban Tamid, and, and he's the one who spills it on the Mizbeah. Third paragraph. Then he goes into the building, he brings the Ketoret of the morning, he organizes the lamps of the Menorah. He then does the 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 hektar the hektar of the Ebreha Tamid, which is the burning but in an offering kind of way of the limbs of the Korban Tamid, the Havitin, which is the Kohen's Kohen Gadol's Korban of the of every day, Nesachim, the libations that were brought together, everything with the Tamid, which is something that was done every single day, like was already explained. And right after he does the the par and the seven and the seven sheep which are the korban of the day fourth paragraph then he washes his hands and feet he gets off his golden garments as we said, every time he changes, he has to do tevila again. Then he wears the white garments, does netilat yadayim, netilat raglayim, comes to the par, to the to the, the calf. Ufaro ha'yaomed ben ha'ulam ve'lamizbeyah. As we explained, the, they had placed the calf between the ulam and the mizbeyah. It was a very specific area. Roshol ha'darom ufanav la'ma'arav, facing with the head towards the Darom, in other words, in the direction of the Kevesh of the Mizbeach, the same direction as the ramp of the Mizbeach, um, but he was facing, but he was facing, he was looking towards the Ma'arav, towards the building, and then the Kohen would stand on the other side, on the eastern side, and then he would do Semicha, which is putting all of his weight on the head of the par, and then he will do the vidui. Paragraph five. He would say, "Oh, please, God, I've I've uh, made mistakes. I've been uh, I've erred. I've done uh, misdeeds before you, myself, my family." Please uh, atone for this hataim avonot peshaim that I did uh, and and my family. Kakatu betorat Moshe avdecha, as it's said in the Torah. Kivayom azei chaper alechem etahedchem mikol hatotechem lifnei Adonai titharu that on this day God is going to atone for you, is going to purify you, cleanse you from all of your hataim, and before God, which means in Beit Hamikdash titharu, you are going to become cleansed. Then he goes to the Hagrala, the, the lot between the two Sairim, the two goats. He ties the Leshon Shelezeorit, which we explained in the last chapter, in the one that's going to be the scapegoat. And then he places the one who is going to be taken to Azazel next to the opening from which he's going to go. And the one that's going to have Shechita 
next to the place where it's going to be to be slaughtered. Then he comes back to the to the uh, the par, um, and then he does a second vidui on the par. This time it's a vidui, as you might remember, not for himself but for the kohanim. This is what he would say. He now adds he receives the blood and he gives it to somebody who would continuously move it so it doesn't coagulate. And he would do that on the Rovid on the fourth layer level. They had levels in the Hechal. So the Hechal, the building was was higher than, than the surface of the Azara, of the Azat Kohanim. And there were 12 steps between the, the, the floor, the level of the Azara and, and the building. But those 12 were divided into four groups of three. So Rove Darvi'ai is the fourth one of those groups of three, in other words, the, the top. That's where someone, somebody was standing and doing, and doing this, uh, this moving, this mixing of the blood so it doesn't coagulate. And then he takes the mahta, which is the, the vessel with which he takes the coals. He will take the coals from the Mizbeah from the portion that is closest to the Ma'arav, Shenne'emar, as it as the Pasuk says, Me'al ha-mizbeyah millifne Adonai. He should take it from the Mizbeyah, from before God, and that's understood to mean for the Ma'arav. Ve'yored u'manihah ala rovet sheba'azara. Then he comes down, and he places that vessel filled with coals, that it's like a it's like a shovel with, with coals on that roved, the roved that was level with the azara, in other words, the bottomest one. Then they bring to him two things. One is the vessel, the kaf, which is going to be that little shovel with which is going to transport the ketoret. Um, and then a kli, a separate vessel that was filled with ketoret of the finest kind. And then he had to do something that's very interesting. He had to put both hands and <clears throat> fill both of his hands with that ketoret, with that powder of incense. They wouldn't be uh, too uh, like uh, plain, in other words, that, that nothing is overflowing. They wouldn't be overflowing too much. They would be medium tefufot. Like abundant, generous, but not not overflowing. This it wouldn't be a specific measurement. It wouldn't be a universal objective measurement. It would be based on the hands of the kohen. So, if a kohen was a very was an individual with large hands, he would end up using or having more ketoret than somebody with smaller hands. And that's fine. And then he would take that and put it inside the kaf, which is where again the ketoret is transported. Transported.
הלכה ניין, פרגרף ניין, סורי. כבר ביארנו שהלכה בשמאל פוסלת בדם הקודשים ושאר העבודות. We already explained that when something is really עבודה, really a service, it may not be done with the left hand. לפיכך היה מן הדין שיוליך המחטא בשמאלו וכף הקטורת במינו. Therefore, it would be appropriate for him to do, to take the mahta, which is where he has the cause, with his left hand, because that's what is really going to use, that the service is about burning the ketoret, so the cause are, are the main part, and then the kafa ketoret, which is only transporting until he actually does the service, should be with his right hand. אבל מפני כובד המחטא ועוד שחמה, אינו יכול לסובלה בשמאלו עד הארון, לפיכך נוטל המחטא במינו וכף הקטורת בשמאלו. But, for practical reasons, the mahta was very heavy and it was very hot, then the left hand wouldn't be enough, and if you ask me what if the Kohen Gadol was a lefty, I would tell you a Kohen Gadol cannot be a lefty, because being a lefty is a mum, and therefore he would not be fit to be a Kohen Gadol. So, there was an exception here, he would... be allowed to carry the coals with his right hand, the ketoret with his left hand, which was a little easier. And he would walk until he arrives to Kodesh HaKodashim. Again, he was taking the coals from the Mizbeach. And, and he would find that the parochet had been already prepared by the other Kohanim. It had been raised a little bit so he could walk into Kodesh HaKodashim from uh, the Hechal. Um, and then he walks inside Kodesh HaKodashim until he arrives by the Aaron. Paragraph 10. Higiyah la'aron notenet ha-mahta b'shene ha-badim. When he arrives to the Aaron, he would place the mahta between, in other words, just uh, longitudin- longitudinally, he would put it right between the two badim, the two, two rods that, uh, with which the Aaron is transported. ובבית שני שלא היה ארון, היה מניחה על אבן השתייה. And in the second temple, when we had no ארון there, he would do, he would just place it, place this, uh, the, the coals on the אבן השתייה, on the, the foundation rock of בית המקדש. There used to be some kind of a foundation rock inside קודש הקודשים, where the ארון would be, but there was no ארון, so they would just put it there. ואוחז שפת הכף בראשי שבעותיו ובשיניו ומעלה הקטורת ברודלו לתוך אופניו עד שמחז ירעה למלוך אופניו כשהייתה וזוהי עבודה קשה שבמקדש. And now he would do something which was considered to be the hardest thing to do from all the services done in Beit HaMikdash and there were many things that were very difficult but this is the most difficult of all. No, it wasn't the carrying of the mahta which was very very heavy all throughout while, while fasting. The hardest thing was To, because he had to now take the, the, the ketoret with his hands and from his hands he would, he would put them, he would put it in the mahta. He couldn't take it from the, from the kaf and directly put it in the mahta. He would have to take it from the kaf to his hands and then from his hands to the mahta. So how do you fill up all the ketoret from the kaf into your hands without losing anything? So there was two techniques. One was with his teeth, and I'm not sure exactly how that worked, but he would bite uh, the, the, the shovel, the handle of the shovel, I guess, and then while he was biting it, he would be waiting with his two hands open, and he would make sure that 
all the ketoret falls inside his hands. Or another more interesting, in my view, technique was to hold the cuff itself with his thumbs. And while he's holding it, he keeps tilting until the angle is such that it, it starts pouring into his hands, which are at the same time holding the mahta and receiving the ketoret. But this was very, very difficult. And, and he wasn't allowed to let anything fall out. Eleventh And then he would gather all of this ketoret on top of the coals inside in, in the in the mahta, in that shovel that has burning coals in it, so that you remember he placed it on the floor already, so so that it's closer to the aron but far from him. So we wouldn't want the ketoret, when it makes contact with the coals, to be by his face. He's bending down. We don't want it to be directly under his face because the smoke would be overwhelming. So we want them to reach a little further into, in other words, closer to the Adon and put it there. And then he would wait, he would have to wait until the entire room is filled with smoke of the ketoret, the incense. And then he would walk backwards, slowly, slowly, bit by bit, step by step, facing always the Kodesh with his back to the rest of the building until he passes, he crosses the parochet. And now, after he's outside the parochet, in other words, in the Hechal, in the Kodesh, outside Kodesh HaKodashim, this twelfth paragraph, then he would have a very short tefillah there. Why short? So that the people don't start worrying and start wondering if something happened to him inside the Hechal. And this is what he would say, he would pray. Made be your will, God, our Lord, that if this year was or started as an arid year, a year of, of drought, let it be rainy. And politically, we want stability. We don't want any tribe to decide to, to secede from the Union. And don't let uh, your people, Am Israel, to be needy, to be needy in terms of sustenance. And don't accept the prayers of the travelers, because travelers obviously have their personal interest in mind, which is, in the, from the point of view of an agricultural society like it was, it wasn't congruent with the interests of the national interest of Am Israel, when we wanted rain, travelers may not want rain. So that, that's the meaning of that tefillah. Halacha bet, the first paragraph. Bish'atek tera ketoret bekodesh kodashim kula am porishim mina echal bilvad ve'en am porishim bina olam velamizbeach. She'en porishim bina olam velamizbeach. Ela bish'atek tera bahechal bechulium bish'at matan davim bahechal kemar shepeano bechot temidim. While the ketoret was being made in kodesh kodashim, everyone needs to retreat from inside the building and but not from outside, from that area between the building and the Mizbeah, they can't stay there because the only times 
that they cannot stay there, that they have to retreat from that area, is when uh, there is the daily ketoret, which this is not, or the the bloods that that are being that are being uh, offered inside the hechal. Second paragraph of Alachabet. Ve'achal kach noti le'dam aparmizeh shu menad nedo ve'nichnas bo lekodesh kodashim u'mazem imenu sham shemone hazayot ben badeh aron. Then, if you recall, he had given the the blood to somebody to keep shaking it so it doesn't coagulate. Then he would grab it from him. He would come in to Kodesh Kodashim with that blood, and then he would do the Shemone Hazayot that we discussed in the last chapter, the eight sprinklings of blood, between the, the rods of the Aaron. And then he would place it on a base of gold that was there for that purpose. And then he would come out from the building. He would do the shaita to the goat, the one that's not Azazel, the Lahashem. He would receive, he would collect the blood. And then he would, so he placed the blood of the of the ox, of the calf inside the Hechal. He went back for the blood of the Sa'ir, did the shaita, got the blood, then goes with that blood inside Kodesh HaKodashim. He would do the, the eight sprinklings between the rods of the Aaron. Then he would come out and place it on a second golden base that was inside that building. So he's alternating. Now he goes back to the blood of the calf. He does the eight hazayot, which are done on the parochet, uh, parallel to the Aaron. And then he would put it back, and then he would do the same thing with the blood of the goat. And then, as you remember, he has to mix them now. Fourth paragraph. Then he would take the blood of the calf and put that one inside the vessel with the blood of the sa'ir. But then he would pour it back inside the other one so that they all get mixed together very well. Then he would stay, he would stand inside, past Mizbah HaZahav, which is at the center of the building, between the Mizbeah and the Menorah, in other words, a little bit, a little bit to the, to the, the south. The Menorah is on the, on the southern, western corner of the building. And then he starts, he starts sprinkling the blood on the corners of Mizbah HaZahav, and then he goes around it, so he's circling Mizbah HaZahav, starting from the corner that is towards the Menorah. Um, and while he's, he's, he's uh, circling the Mizbah, he's sprinkling on, the, on each of the corners from outside. Fifth paragraph. And he starts from the eastern northern um, eastern northern corner. To the northern western. To the western southern. To the southern eastern. So 
he's he's actually um So he, the, the way to sprinkle it is from, from the bottom to the top, except for the last one, which was beforehand, because he's going to he's going to, to pour, I think it's because he's going to pour more. I, I didn't understand why there is more of a concern that in, in this fourth one he's going to get his clothes dirty, but that was a concern. He was wearing white, and, and so... Uh, for that fourth one, he would pour it from top to bottom, not from bottom to top. Then he has to remove the were some coals on top of Mizbah Zahav. He would move them to each side until he uncovers, he reveals the, the surface, which is made of gold. And then on the he, he would then pour seven times or he would actually sprinkle seven times on the gold of the top of the Mizbeh Zahav uh, on the side that is more to the south from the same place that he was when he finished doing the corners then he comes out and then he goes to the, the big Mizbeach, the one outside, and he spills the rest of the blood to Yesod Ma'aravi, which is where he, they used to spill almost all the leftovers to the, the Yesod was like a, a uh, it was the base of the Mizbeach, but it was really where, where you put things inside. Six paragraph. Then he comes to the Sa'id Amishtaleh, which hadn't been sent yet, it was the Sa'id Azazel. And then he puts his, both of his hands on his head, that's Semicha, with all of his weight, the weight of his body, and then he does the following Vidui, which is the same. But this time, as you might recall, the Vidui is not for himself, it's not for the Kohanim, it's for Am Israel. Ish-Iti, a person that had been designated for it. And as you might recall, he also has to take care of the of the body, of the limbs, of the part that, that had been that had been slaughtered earlier, and the sair that also had been slaughtered. So he took the, their blood, he did the offerings inside. But now what happens with the body of those animals? So he has to bring the, the emurim, the emurim are certain parts. And then he puts those inside the vessel. And then the rest, which is not offered by fire, is sent out to be burned. There is a burning which happens outside the Beit HaMikdash, which is a, a burning in order for nobody to, to, to derive any benefit from what's not fit for any kind of consumption. Leftovers of Korbanot, for instance, or parts of the Korban that are not offered. And then there is another kind of burning, which is called Hekter, which is a form of worship 
in which you burn something and it's as if you're offering um, but by by the consumption through the fire of that which you're offering, that's how the offering is being effectuated. Then he goes to Aizrat Nashim, and as we explained in the last chapter, he reads the Torah there once he's told that the Said arrived to the desert. Eighth paragraph. And then he washes his hands and feet, takes off his white garments, puts on his golden garments, then washes his hands and feet again. Then he does the sair, a separate sair, it's a third one, a third goat, which is one of the, the musafim of the day. But it's not done together with the Musaf, which was done right after the Tamid, as you might recall. And this might explain the Tefillat Ne'ilah that we have, which is a separate Tefillah, because there was a separate Musaf here. Then he also offers his own ram and the ram that is brought on behalf of the people. There, was, there, were, there were two additional rams. As it is said, in Parashat and then he, he the Kohen Gadol, should come out, and he should make his Ola, and the Ola of the people. Then he offers with the Hekter, which I just explained, the, the, the burnt offerings, those parts, those limbs of the Par and the Sair, which are offered. And then he brings the Korban Tamid, the second one of the day, which is always brought in the afternoon. Ninth paragraph. Then he washes hands and feet, takes off his golden garments, does tevila, puts on his white garments, does netilat yadayim and ragayim again, and then he goes back to Kodesh Kodashim. He had left there the ketoret, as you might remember. And then he removes from Kodesh Kodashim both the kaf, which is where he transported the ketoret, and the mahta, which is where he transported the coals, and where he actually made the ketoret. And then he washes hands and feet. He removes his white garments, submerges, washes his golden garments, washes hands and feet. And then he brings another thing that was done every single day, not because it was Yom Kippur, and that's why he's wearing gold right now, which is a ketoret of every single day. There was ketoret twice a day, there was korban tamid twice a day. And then he also recycles the lamps of the menorah, just like it's done every day in the afternoon. Tenth and last paragraph of Al-Akhabet. And then he washes hands and feet, removes his golden clothes, and then he wears, without doing tevila now, he wears his own clothes. And then he can go back home, or he goes back home. And then the entire people, the, the, the masses, would follow him and accompany him from Bet HaMikdash to his residence, and he would make a big party afterwards, for having had the merit to 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 fulfill and to complete 
this service and having come out from the Kodesh Beshalom with peace, which doesn't mean necessarily that it was expected he would die and then he survived. Yasa Beshalom really means that he that he finished his job successfully. So he will make a big party commemorating his successful service, which as we just saw wasn't wasn't very simple. It was a feat to be able to accomplish all of this and not make any mistakes. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen Amen.